Turn to one morning. When the alarm goes off at 5.30am, it's still dark outside. Lying there, I take a quick mental inventory of what lies before me this morning. The boys don't have to go to school early for the meeting or to see any of their teachers. They don't have to finish any homework or cram last minute for tests. My seniors in high school already admitted to college. They're coasting to the furnish line. No way, they've already passed it. The breakfast table to raise money for the Lent cross team does not start until tomorrow, coincide with the opening game of the season. So with both my morning and afternoon committed tomorrow, I have lots to get done today. It also means that right now, I am the luxury of hitting the snooze button for another 10 minutes sleep. The alarm button seems to go off again. In about 15 seconds, I force myself to sit up. It feels like I'm... As if I'm in underwear struggling with surface, I wiggle my toes and my fingers, which I once read helps you wake, help you wake. I rub my fingers over my face and rub the sleep from my eyes. I know it's Jennifer, who, without turning over, asks for another 15 minutes of sleep. Groggily, I push aside the comforter my side. I swing my legs over the edge of the bed and drop to the floor, stumbling around and over barely visible mounds of towels, sweats, t-shirts, socks and athletic wear, pass through the laundry room into the bathroom. Then I turn on the light, brush my teeth and throw the cold water on my face. Back in the laundry room, I pull off the t-shirt I slept in the, and put in a clean one from among the piles of clothing stacked up everywhere. On the built-up bench at the top of the radiator cover, along both window sills in front of the radiator, after a bit of a search, I pull out a pair of clean socks and sweat pants and lean against the dryer to pull them, up, pull them on. I walk out to the bedroom, leaving the door hallway open behind me. From the landing on the second floor, I can see the bedroom light is on. There's four couches on the first floor. On my, on my occasion, now and then, we sleep on the same couch down there. Sometimes I sleep in different rooms, but usually they're both stacked, stacked out. In the family room, one in the old couch, the other in the futon sofa bed, and turns me each night. There's no way to predict which one of the boys, Oogie, I have chosen to sleep with, but he'll be next to the, one of them. Front of the stairs, a first glance to my right, into what used to be the living room. The doors are wide open, and no one is asleep there. The lights in the family room on my left are controlled by twinkle, which is in the wall in the hallway. I turn up the rear bank of the lights. There is a slightly imperious side. I see Noah stretched out and a sort of opened up from the floor, wrapped in two blankets, which seem to mean that Darren is on the old couch adjacent to the rear glass wall. Behind Darren's couch, stretched lengthwise. One paws, straight double shoulders. Oogie is barely distinguishable from the white decompter covering Dan. So much so, then no one, no one, no one so much as stirs. I toggle the light back up, down, and click them off. Kitchen, I put cold water into a coffee maker, measure the coffee into a filter, and press the on button. The amber light comes on, and the whole water boils. And the aroma of brewing coffee begins to waft through the air, reassuring. I turn to the radio to get a regular update. I pass on to the boys. This radio must be at least 40 years old. He said, I used to sit in the kitchen that I grew up in. 
No idea that still. I ha- how I have it still. Reception's poor, scratchy thin, as though the voice inside been played from an old pornographic record. I return to the family room and turn on both front and rear lights of the rear lights hallway. This time Robbie dri- li- lifts his head and looks at me. He's still somewhat distant from sleep, but some but welcomes in his eyes like candles. His tail thumbs down, thumbs softly against the tail back of the towel. Smiling, I go over to him, sit down on the arm of the sofa, trace my fingers against the thickness of the deck. I touch the wheel on the thing, power, just high here. High on his back, between his shoulders, his strength never ceases to amaze me. It seems almost incomparable with his gentle nature. Hello, doggy, I murmur. You lucky dog, you're a good doggy. You're a good boy, a good boy. Thank you for protecting the boys last night. I'm glad I don't have to worry about them anymore. I bend over to him and touch my, my nose to the spot just behind his ear. Makes him the grungy noise that signifies absolute contentment. And I lift my face and tween his shoulders. He raises his head and licks my nose. I turn to nuzzle the side of his face. Still, his face that still has an ear. I've got you, got to get everyone going, I tell him. You and I will go out later today. Cocks his head, a ear standing to look, a cup of it, it with one hand and ear and in gently. I've been told that there are many nerve endings in a dog's ears, and by rubbing him, they can relax. Whole dog. Because Ogie had been uh, just only one ear, the task is simplified. Just as the same time it prays some odd, raises odd questions, some odd questions. Can only half of Ogie get, get relaxed by rubbing his right ear? I saw what his right ear to my side was an ear. Or was a dog eared right eared way humans or left eared right brain left and right brain. His right ear controls his left side of his body. Clearly there are many things about dogs that they have to learn. Don't get excited just get excited yet. I caution him. There are things I need to do, be done before we get party. When I raise, he does too, stretching with a small grunt. Then he revises himself, curls up with his head next to Dan's hip. He sighs, contented, of course. Before he closes his eyes and drifts into his sleep again, even by his mood. Yo, I say to them, time for breakfast. Who's having what? In no spot. Breakfast time, I repeat, a little louder. From the incurrent mumbling that rises briefly in response, I determined that the boys lived through the night, although it's still possible to tell whether they are entered the permanent vegetative states. Breakfast orders, please, I think, louder still. Don't yell, no moans about, about lifting his head with his pillow or even turning in to my direction. I'm not yelling, I explain. This could be, this should be, will be yelling. Over his head and jerks up, trying to understand whether he should be concerned by the change of timber. I drop my voice back to normal. I just keep trying to get you your attention. Oogie's head goes back to the pillow, reacting. The sound of my voice as though controlled by a string. His ear flops over against the side of his head. I manage to get the boys breakfast with Chris and turn on the TV for more. I head out the door. Back in the kitchen, I glance out the window. The light is dim, and the sky of a cast are cloudy. I don't afraid with rain. I put the water in the pot and some milk and a little salt. Then drop a few raisins and flatten the water as boils. After screwing the lid and scratching 
striking a match and ignite the gas burner. Blue flame pops up. I wrap four strips of bacon in paper towel and place them in a plate and microwave. Then set the timer for three minutes and thirty seconds. Each brand of bacon has different cook time at the same time as stainless sets. Then the variable variable how long the bacon been in the refrigerator since the print package was opened. Not too much to make favour to be factored in. The flesh of the bacon the longer it takes to cook. What does it say about me? I've learned over the years. Yes, the kind of personality to bacon. A pulse in the water, a coffee maker is accommodating to by sighing sound from inside it as though Inside it as a, as a 